Teachers Talk Film. This is episode number 21. I'm Mitchell Main here reporting um, long, alongside my great friend, teacher, English teacher, film teacher, Pete Ray, X-Ray. X-Ray, how are we doing this Tuesday afternoon? Doing great. Doing great. Um, I feel like we, we talk about going back to school pretty frequently now. Uh, yesterday, I got to meet some some new future students which was cool uh i think i think i'm ready to go back i think i i i've dealt with it i'm ready to do it was that like for like freshman orientation yeah it was like a new student orientation so just if you haven't been to our school before come figure out where your classes are and all that get to know some people so yeah that was that was cool very nice very nice um you ready to go though no hesitations no, I'm ready to, to dive in. I love it. I love it. Um, any, like, not remorse, but sadness leaving the realm of the couch of watching movies all day? Is there any, like, sadness related to that? Of course. And I think there always will be for the rest of, rest of time. Because does it really get better than that, than having two months off? Um, probably not, but at the same time, we talk about it on here all the time. We love our jobs. So yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't even say it's bittersweet going back because I'd say it's just sweet. I'm ready to to do it. I think I'm in the same boat. I'm ready to go. Um, the weeks have gotten closer to, we go back Thursday. Um, so literally two days, we can say that summer is over, um, but I'm ready. I'm, I, I like being back in the room. Um, I could not sit behind a computer all day and teach kids that way. Like I need to be in the classroom. Um, gets me out of or off the couch, I would say. Um, because if I didn't, I would just be watching movies all day um, or homeless because I wouldn't be getting paid. So um, we're on the topic of summer movies, though, and things like that. I imagine you are like me and you watched a lot of movies um maybe a well, mix hold on. Of good and bad. I, I gotta interrupt you real quick yeah go ahead because i have a teacher question for you because you kind of just got to it and i i have this question for myself a lot of times so okay. I, what better person to talk about it with because you said like getting off your couch and going and doing things do you feel like not like a, not split personality but do you feel like you're kind of a different person when you're you're in your classroom when you're teaching Oh, hundred percent, man. Um, okay. Me too. Wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy because like when I go into the classroom, like, you know, I'm a cheesy guy, but like, I take it to the next level. Yes. Um, and I, you know, me, I'm like very much so like introverted and like, like I'll, I'll act weird and stuff around people that I'm close with like you and stuff but like when I'm like out with people I don't know like I'm very quiet and things like that um and then when I go into my classroom I'm like like it's like you got to just kind of amp yourself up it's like what you said um on the episode of the wrestler do you remember what I'm talking about um is it when it comes out to like me to perform it's when he's um it's past his prime and he's walking in to work in the deli and like, oh yeah yeah, yeah 
uh, of like Ram and like the Ram Jam. And then he goes to walk into the deli and he like has to pump himself up to do that. You can hear the crowd in the background. Yeah. Mr. Main. No. <laughs> no, I get there. Um, I get pumped, though, man. I love it. It makes me like it's again cheesy, but it, it like makes me feel alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. OK. Yeah, I just I just had to make sure I wasn't the only one because I'm the same way. Like if you put me in a room full of adults, like at an adult party, I'm the most awkward, weird, stand in the corner and not look at anybody in the eye person. But yeah, the second you put me in front of 35 uh, freshmen, I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm a different person. I'm yeah. Yeah. So, OK, I just had to. I had to take that little diversion real quick. No, I appreciate it. Even though I was rudely interrupted. Um, rudely. But no, you're right. And then when I get home, like I'm just, I'm wiped. I, I took all the energy that I had for that day, put it into the classroom. If I can squeeze out any more energy, I'm doing it with a run and walking my dog. And then like, I don't want to talk. Like I just don't want to do anything after work. Okay. So here's another thing. Because now I'm getting real deep into this. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if this maybe gets us into the review a little bit. So we don't have to go there quite yet. But it's almost as if part of us is dead for these two months. Mm. Part of us just does not live. Dude, I was literally thinking about that today when I woke up and I was laying in bed. Um, because I texted you. I was like, hey, are you cool with recording a little late? Um, I got to do some yard work and you said, yeah. And then like, I was thinking like, man, the past two months, this is what my life has come to where like <laughs> my agenda is wake up, do yard work, which I don't mind. But, like it's gotten to the point in the summer now where I despise it, where I'm like, I'm, I just want to be done with it. I want the grass to just yellow out for the rest of the season and just come back in the spring. Um, yeah, I I feel yeah, like I hibernate in the summer. Like I'm not really who I am in the summer. And like once August rolls around, really September and October, like we begin to blossom again. Ooh. Yes, agreed completely. Yeah. It's just it's just strange. I feel like we'll probably talk about like personalities and your different selves a little bit today. So yeah, it's just I don't know. Got me thinking a little bit, yeah. a little introspection. I definitely see like the the binary that exists between us, though. The Ooh, teacher, I use my class then, often. Yeah, the teacher and then the couch potato. And, you know, I'm ready to not be a couch potato anymore. Get up, get up and do some things. Um, but I do want to reflect. As we were couch potatoes for the past couple months, we watched some good movies. Um, we reviewed some of them. You can check those out if you want. Um, but we also just watch movies just because we love to watch movies. Um, and so my question to you, X-Ray, as we reflect on our summer viewing consumption, give me your top three movies you watched over break. A quick elevator pitch as to why they are in your top three. Um, and then give me any honorable mentions if you have them as well. Okay. You just want them all. I do. I was going to do a draft, but we've done a lot of drafts and things like yeah. that. 
past couple episodes. Let's just let's just get into it. Okay, so here's my three, and I'll I'll talk about each one of them. Uh, we're gonna go with Cha Cha Real Smooth. Mm. We're gonna go with Collateral, and we're gonna go with Dirty Harry. So mm. yeah, I watch that one too. <laughs> okay, well let's talk was... Dirty Dirty Harry first, since uh, we had a good reaction there. Um, I I like Western movies a lot. Uh, and I wouldn't consider myself like I don't love Clint Eastwood like I'm not like a diehard I mean I have a good and a bad ugly poster on my wall right now but um, that's more just because the poster looks pretty sick and it's a good movie Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry is the coolest most rebellious just doesn't care about anything cop in the world and I was just not ready for it when I watched it he is he is awesome. He's got the giant gun. Um, it's he's got the famous line, "Are you feeling lucky, punk?" Uh, <laughs> it's just it is an awesome movie, and he's got so many one-liners in it that only Clint Eastwood can deliver. It's just hardcore, and uh, yeah, I was I like it. We're doing top three movie I watched this summer. I loved it. I think, uh, like obviously, I I would give my flowers to clint eastwood before watching this movie um but like i really gained a new appreciation for him because he's younger obviously like i'm familiar with like gran torino and cry macho those are relatively newer films of his where he's like in his 80s 70s 80s but he's still killing it um but he is like an up-and-coming cop investigator in dirty harry and like he just totally goes against what his chief says and like he is just the epitome rebel without a cause kind of thing and like um just the way that it's shot too is awesome like the beginning scenes where it's like the wide shot and he's standing on top of the roof and like you just see the blue sky and all that um great movie great western great choice yeah, I like that it's also just a Western that's just like in San Francisco in the, I don't know, 80s, probably 70s, maybe like they should just make a Western in every town in America, in every era. Like, give me future Westerns. Give me Westerns back in the medieval ages. Like, just give me a cool, rebellious guy who cares about justice. And it's going to be a sweet story. Well, Star Wars kind of did that with um, like Mandalorian. Right. Yes, exactly. Which is why I think one of the reasons why I think Mandalorian is so intriguing because it does have that Western feel to it. It's fresh. Yeah. Uh, okay. One of my other ones was Collateral. You ever seen Collateral? I'm not. Are it's not the one with uh, Will Smith. Collateral Damage. Is that what you're talking about? No, this is with. Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. Okay. If it was the one with Will Smith, we might have to just shut off the pod right now. No, no. Okay. Um, so Collateral, it's uh, it's an action movie, um, and it's directed by Michael Mann, who directed Heat, which is mm-hmm. another really good action movie. Uh, but yeah, it's got Jamie Foxx, and he plays like this. Uh, he's, a, he's a taxi driver, and he's kind of like OCD and... Um, they do a lot of good like character introduction stuff with him. And then Tom Cruise is the bad guy, which I that's why I watched it, because I always hear people talk about it and just how good of a bad guy Tom Cruise is. And it's very true. He is. But I thought that like Jamie Foxx was just as good 
And it's all about like Tom Cruise basically forces Jamie Foxx to like drive him around to do all these killings um, that Tom Cruise has to do. And it's just, it's a great action movie. I used to not really love action movies, but when they're well-made and original, they're, they're sweet. You ever seen Rock of Ages? No. <laughs> you want to see Tom Cruise as a villain? You watch Rock of Ages. That's some cinema right there. Um, if you want to see Tom Cruise as a villain, turn on the news. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I'm, don't I'm watch totally joking about Rock of Ages, though. Do not watch that. TTF Nation, it's terrible. Um, don't watch it. Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm not. I'm definitely not familiar with it. It's like a musical with like rock music, and he's like this like famous rock star, and like just plays like the cliche stereotypical rock star. It's so cringy. No, don't watch it. Okay, good to know. But yeah, Tom Cruise. He's got gray hair in it. He wears sunglasses. It's it's pretty sick. Um. Then my last one was Cha Cha Real Smooth. I mm-hmm. owe all credit to you for this because you told me to watch it. And, uh, yeah, definitely exceeded my expectations. I don't even know how to talk about it. It, it, it has so much, it's like a, I don't even, again, I don't know. It's like funny romance, suspense, mystery, heartfelt comedy all at Mm. once. So it's got all those elements um i i don't i i really can't talk about it without i i just can't i don't really i don't know i just loved it it was awesome it was so original and just like not it was not a hollywood movie i think that's probably the biggest reason why i liked it uh so yeah what do you think about it since you recommended it to me it snuck up on me more than anything like i just threw it on because like I was I had watched like two movies from like Criterion Channel and I was like, okay, like I want kind of a break from these super intricate movies. And so I was like, oh, I'll throw on this. And I was like, that was really, really good. Um, Just like the pacing of it in itself. I think the like the emotion that's evoked through the story and the characters is what really sticks out to me, especially at the end with the brother and the main character. Um, Like he obviously has the love interest as well, but just like so many like strong connections between characters in this story that felt so real and like not scripted. It felt like it was just like, like real people. So I really, really like that movie. Really, really like it. Really recommend. Yeah, that was probably the biggest surprise for me in a movie that I've seen in a long time. Um, my honorable mentions, uh, Nope would be on the list, but we talked about it already. So go listen to the bonus episode. Um, that'd be number one as far as favorite movies I've seen this summer. Uh, probably bottom of your list, which is wow. so sad, but whatever, whatever, whatever. You think an 80s a bad score. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Yeah, my real honorable mentions are I saw Elvis in theaters uh, and that was I just felt like it was worth mentioning because it was it was enjoyable. I, I liked it. Um, I feel like I have a special connection to my guy Baz Luhrmann because we watched the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet movie um, 
in class and it's just completely ridiculous. So I feel like that helped me knowing knowing that going in that it was Baz Luhrmann. I was like, okay, there's going to be some weird stuff in here. Uh, but yeah, Elvis was good. Uh, and then the other one, I mentioned it before, but RRR, that three yeah, and a half hour Bollywood movie, it's, it's insane. Um, the scene with all the animals jumping off of a flatbed truck with fire and this one guy about to go attack everybody is... I mean, it's just ridiculous and amazing. And then the last one is, it's an older one, um, but I'm, I'll, we may be talking about this guy at the end of today's episode, uh, Robert Altman. He's a director, and I kind of just, like, discovered him, but I watched this movie called Nashville, and it has, like, 25 main characters, and it just jumps around to all of them throughout the movie, and... It was super interesting. I would I definitely it's like not for everybody because it's it's a weirder one um, just with how it's structured because there's no protagonist. But it was it was just cool that it had like all these main characters and not one main one. It's called Nashville, you said? Yeah, Nashville. And it just takes place in Nashville. And like, I think it might just be one day. And yeah, it jumps around all these different people. Very cool. Man, yeah. I feel like you just named like 20 movies that TTF Nation could go check out if they haven't. Yeah. And then let us know what you think of them. Yeah. Um, I was drinking my smoothie as you were getting those off. I'm really enjoying this. Do you have a Nutribullet? No. I feel like the, the act of making a smoothie just isn't worth it when you're done. What do you it's, mean? You got There's so much to do. There's the ice. There's the fruit. You got to put yogurt. There's so many ingredients for a drink. Why don't I just pour myself some water? Bro, it's it's not hard. Yeah, you're right. That I mean, that is pretty lame of me to say. <laughs> it's three minutes know. of your day <laughs> for a delicious smoothie treat. Look at that. You can yeah. I don't know. Throw some chia seeds in there. Come on. Game over. Um, All right. My three. No order. I finally got around to watching Rashomon this summer. Um, oh, yeah. One of like the like the trinity of Kurosawa films, many would say. Um, I think it's my second favorite Kurosawa film after Akiru, of course. Um, just great. I love how it's so original in terms of like the storytelling with multiple points of view. Um, lots of commentary on class and things like that. Um, social justice, things of that nature. Great, great movie, of course. Um, Okja as my other one. Nice. Um, great, great movie. Loved it. Um, still ate a hamburger right after and felt no remorse. Um, but it did made me think. It did made me think about a lot. Um, and just so much heart. I needed to go hug my dog afterwards. Um, and then the one we are going to talk about today. Ooh, made the list. Made the list. I really loved it. Um, you'll hear why later in a bit. Honorable mentions. Um, you mentioned it. Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I definitely had other movies that I rated higher on my list that did not make the honorable, honorable mentions. But you talk about just the situation in which you watch something like it just hit the mood perfectly when I needed it. Um, 
lazy summer afternoon threw it on fell in love with the characters great great movie easy watch but also had you thinking um beautiful movie beautiful movie um come and see another beautiful movie but for many different reasons um it's about this young boy fleora who um basically finds a rifle and begins to um fight against the nazis um incredibly graphic incredibly well made um the acting with the kid is just absolutely incredible i think i touched on his like facial expressions in one of the episodes you need to watch it it's on criterion channel um you need to watch it there is not a you're never gonna like be in the mood to watch that (laughs) you just need to watch it um and then one that we talked about on pod that i've been waiting to see for a while licorice pizza um and i don't need to explain why because we already did that for over an hour you can find that episode um x-ray what episode number is that because you're good at that uh i was just thinking that as you brought it up and i i did not know it but uh, it was episode 15 i had to look it up but dang you got six episodes back well technically seven with bonus nope um But yeah, those are my three. I could go on honorable mentions of honorable mentions, um, but we're not going to do that. Um, Instead, I'm going to shift the tide of the conversation and get into a philosophical question that is going to get into our review. Um, And I don't know if you thought about this question. You could answer it in many ways. And it's kind of cheesy, but it is it lends itself to conversation, which will lend into our movie Ex Machina here in a bit. Um, But my question for you, Mr. Ray, is what defines quote unquote human? And then by that definition, how human are you? Ooh, we're getting deep again. Mm. Um, Wow. So like, I love this question. So I've definitely thought about it. I love anything that has to do with like, robots and even creatures or ai and just like their their quest to become human and i'm sure you remember but in our one of our college classes we that was one of the literary theories we talked about was that like is non-human things like people write about them make movies about them talk about them all the time and that like our our thing as humans is we don't want other other things to be humans so like all of those things are all about what makes aliens or frankenstein's monster or um robots different than us and like maybe sometimes better than us Mm -hmm. um but the reason i watched this movie was for a different college class uh which was our seminar which we i believe we took together right yeah the uh, monstrosity yeah and yeah i had to write a giant like 25 page paper yeah you did it on this movie i watched it because like this movie was about my topic okay and my topic was like basically all about how like our physical makeup is what kind of makes us human um so 
it kind of is dumb to say, but I feel like our physical attributes are what make us human in a bad way. It's because we as humans are stupid and we get tricked by um, like visual things and things that make us human. And I think that this movie is a good, very good indication of that because it's like, especially with the ending, uh, I guess I'll wait to talk about that. But um, yeah, I feel like one of the biggest things that makes us human is what we look like. And I don't agree with that, but it is because we're dumb visual creatures. You think that's why like culture and like society and like, big clothing companies like place emphasis on looking good and like selling products to make you look good because they know that that's all we really care about is that outer appearance. Yeah. I, I think that's why, uh, that's why we have a podcast because uh, <laughs> you don't have to look good to have a podcast. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like, there's so many movies and it's all about like your appearance and that's what makes somebody human. And obviously that's not it. Like it's definitely like emotions and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I just feel like a big thing that we as humans get tricked up upon is if somebody looks different, uh, they're like less human to us. Mm. Yeah. You touched on the like emotions piece regarding humans but then like i was going to counter that and say well then is my dog human because he has emotions of frustration when i haven't fed him yet for dinner or whatever so it's interesting i think i think you're right and i think mine kind of piggybacks off of yours in the sense that like we're we're fixated on things that are shallow. And so when I think about what defines human, I think it's this false sense of superiority that we have against all other living things. Um, <clears throat> like we talk about um, like an Okja, let's say like man over animal control and like this sense that humans believe we can control everything whether that be the natural world um like things of other worlds like we have this belief that like we are the superior race all the time whether it's because we are more physically abled or intellectually abled um i would argue and say that we are not more physically able than say a gorilla or something like that um I think the intellect piece is probably what separates us from like the gorillas because we do in many ways have a different IQ. Note how I said different and not better. Um, I think our IQ is best fit for the world that we have created and like we assimilate better in that. Um, but like if apes and things like that and like animals were able to tap into a part of their mind that were like able to realize their superiority over us, like we would be toast. Um, but like at this point we have the intellect that we believe we are far superior than anything else. Um, and I think this movie ex machina is a cautionary tale that we are not as smart as we think we are. Yeah. 
I think with that, we should get into it. We should, we should talk. Let's about do it. it. Let's yeah. do it. This is Ex Machina. It's an A24 film. You had seen it before. I had not released in 2015. The synopsis reads a young programmer is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. I do want to uh, kind of go chronologically within this story um, because it is just like I mentioned that I like it quite a bit. Um, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because the first thing I was going to talk about is the ending. So okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to wait for that because the ending is heavy in a lot of ways. Um, one of the very first things that really made me appreciate this movie was actually the beginning in the sense that we don't have any hogwash exposition before that we don't need but i don't need to hear this dude caleb smith which if i have one critique caleb smith is the most ordinary name i've ever heard um we don't need to hear his ex exposition and narration with his co-workers and things like that it's like literally nope right away in the beginning hey this dude has been selected to do something we're going to it right away there's no him hawing around it were brought into the action right away so i really appreciated that i was thinking that same thing too we're in that helicopter into the like na into nature so quickly there's no dialogue really at all until we're there and i think that that also helps with the pacing of the movie for like the rest of the movie because then like i want to say that this movie there's not there's not crazy things happening a lot like I would say it is kind of slow but the fact that we are there so fast then like it's allowed to be slow it's a, we're allowed to take our time and getting to know this weird billionaire guy and everything else that's going on yeah it's an hour and 48 minutes long and I I didn't feel any of that and like that's not a long yeah. movie by any standard like I didn't feel any sense of oh my gosh when is this going to end i was watching it literally last night at midnight and i was like i was pumped i was on the edge of my seat the whole time wondering what was going to happen next um you mentioned like the helicopter like the scenery in the beginning is just absolutely beautiful um and then like it's it's very green it's luscious um we have caleb he talks to the helicopter guy um, the helicopter guy says, I've never talked to him before this guy that he's going to see. I think we can piece together why he has never talked to him before, um, towards the end, but nonetheless, Caleb gets out of the helicopter. He goes into this house, um, which Nathan, his respective boss calls, uh, like a research facility. And Caleb has been selected to be like this human subject in this experiment with communicating with an AI named Ava. Um, but I wanted to talk about the house first. Is there anything you noticed like aesthetically about the house that you thought was cool or popped out to you at all? I noticed this is big time English teacher. So pretty proud of myself here. The house was a perfect representation of like being trapped, but having the idea that bro, you're free. Bro, 
were you gonna say that too <laughs> keep going but yeah just because that makes me feel not so special now if, if we both thought the same thing. I think it reinforces the specialness. Okay, okay. Just because, like, there's literally rocks. There's a rock built into the house. There's nature built into the house, but you can't really interact with it. There's nature all around you. You can see the green. You can see the mountains. You can see the forest. Um, but, yeah, that glass is stopping you from actually experiencing it and getting out of there and like this movie's big time about like being in captivity and being trapped so yeah the architecture I, I really wish I like was new things about architecture and like it's just cool to me I like it so yeah I definitely felt like yeah the research facility house thing was it keyed in on yeah the feeling of being trapped but not feeling like you're trapped or not knowing that you're trapped yeah, and um, to touch on that great symbolism, um, the copper light fixtures were just so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, but they did look cool. Um, I noticed something different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super <laughs> symbolic. I noticed how, like, the main living area, you mentioned, like, the walls are all glass and, like, you can see through it in the nature and outside and everything, and it's beautiful, like, but you're still, there's a divide between you, but you can see it. He goes into his room and Nathan says, I know what you're thinking. There's no mirrors in here or windows. And so it's this idea that like Nathan already is giving off this secretive kind of villainous, I hate this word vibe to him. Um, like in the sense that it's like almost a false sense of being able to see what is actually going on because once he gets into his quarters, his room, he can't see anything. He is held captive and he's basically at the will of Nathan for the first 75, 80% of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is really cool. Even the room where he meets Ava, like it's full on glass, but he's, he's in a smaller box than she is. So like, yeah, he's becoming the, the test subject more than her. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. Just all those little things are, they're perfect. Yeah. I'm glad we thought about the same thing there with the symbolism, but with different pieces of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really saw it in the room and like the, the mirrored walls and things like that. Um, nonetheless, we got to give our flowers to your boy before we My go boy. any further. Oscar Isaac. I didn't know he was even in this. Dude, he he does such a good job in this. Such a good job of like being the billionaire mysterious tech guy and not he's like not an outright jerk, but you also are just picking up things throughout the movie that like man, I just don't like this guy. I don't trust this guy. Um so I I think he does awesome, especially the shaved head and the beard, the wife beater. It's it's awesome. The beard is to be remarked. I great beard. Like I wish I could grow something like that. Um nonetheless, we begin to see him. Um, we see him as this sort of almost like you know when like a genius is like almost too smart for their own good, where they lose touch with humanity in that sense, like um like an Elon Musk character, like just interacts with 
regular people, but it's so bizarre, like Mark the way Zuckerberg. he talks. It's that's kind of the same with uh, Nathan here. Um, he basically just stays up all hours of the night, um, whether that's because he's just thinking about his project or just drinking beers or whatever it is. Um, and then he wakes up super early and just gets his workouts in and then just goes back to work. Like there's some like psychotic behavior behind his character. And it really begins to become apparent, like re- literally right when we see him, the first scene is him hitting the punching bag. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the, I guess I said that already, but I just really like that. It's these little things. It's not like we're just getting those weird feelings about him. It's not immediate, like immediate. This guy is a weirdo. Yeah. Um, they have their first conversation and Caleb is basically told that he is going to be taking part in the tearing test, which is basically um, Caleb being this human subject involved with communication with Ava to see if she has elements of artificial intelligence which is basically like the consciousness of man um there's one thing that nathan really says in this moment maybe it's later um but he says like their study is going to be focused around the way they communicate and like if ava is able to like pick up on some of like the emotion and social cues that nathan gives off um Nathan says, can consciousness exist without interaction? Um, And as I was thinking about it afterwards, like Nathan himself literally has no interaction with any human. And so like when I asked that question earlier, how human are you? Like based on this definition, if humanness and AI is related to like the consciousness of man, like Nathan is arguably the farthest thing from that. Oh, that I never thought about that. That's really cool to think that. Yeah, if that's your definition, then Nathan and Ava are, yeah, on the exact same level because they're the only two people that they like talk to each other. Um, yeah. Okay, that means I'm a little less human too if I'm just sitting in my house by myself watching movies. <laughs> Maybe that's why you feel dead in the summertime (laughs) going back to that (laughs) um but this is all nathan's theory like with the interaction and things like that um i'm learning about this thing in my masters right now um well i did last week it's called like your terministic screens have you ever heard of this no it sounds very interesting though it's i'm gonna give you like the the elementary 30 second lesson on it because it's super dry honestly and dense and yeah ttf nation doesn't want to hear that um but basically it's just like this way like what you it's this guy kenneth burke and he was this theorist who basically says like whatever like you see and like the language and symbols that you associate yourself with ultimately like perpetuate the reality around you and okay. Like the term reality is so subjective because like we all are exposed to different things daily. Like my reality is going to be different than my neighbors, even though we're literally 20 feet away in proximity, we have totally different realities. 
because of the language and the symbols that we're accustomed to. Um, the reason I bring that up is because Nathan has programmed Ava and like created these sort of like terministic screens and set this environment up in front of her. And one of the big things that we learn later in the movie is that she was basically programmed to like escape, right? Like her whole job was to escape. Am I interpreting that wrong? Uh, no, I think that, yeah, I think that that's right. Yeah. And so like she was, he was going to see like if Caleb and Ava's relationship would be able to allow that escape for Ava in the end. Um, but I like what you mentioned. You said something like, it's really not Ava that's being tested. It was Caleb. Um, we'll talk about that in towards the end because that's really rich, I think. Um, you're so smart. You're so smart. Um, nonetheless, Caleb continues to stroke Nathan's ego a little bit. He says, well, if this study is true, um, this isn't the history of man. This is the history of God's. And like this line, like you can tell Nathan gets a kick out of that. And so like he has this sort of God complex about him. Um, they begin to go into the first session. Um, and then we see Ava for the first time. Describe how you feel about Ava's look upon the first glance. What were your just initial impressions? Well, the design is cool like the fact that you like she has like obviously fake skin but you can see like her her parts inside it's it's just a cool design um and Alicia Vikander is uh she's pretty easy on the eyes so <laughs> uh, that that also becomes a big point in the movie as well right. um but yeah more the design I think is is super cool and I thought like the way she moved was eerily human. And there's also points where like she does such a good job acting, like just with her head, like just moving her head in weird ways that it yeah. also looks robotic. Um, that's more towards the end too. But I thought she did an awesome job for really all she has to act with is her head. And I know that like she's got probably got like a green suit on or whatever that she's doing things with that as well. But no, just, yeah, the idea that she could only really use her facial expressions and she couldn't even really use a lot of them because she's trying to look robotic, but human at the same time. Like it was just, it was really interesting to watch and look at. Now, have you seen like videos of like Sophie the robot? Do you know what that is? Is that one of those? Is that the one that talks? It's just the head. Yeah, it was just the head. But I think they had like started to put like tried to like form a body around her. Yeah. Like the production of robots and like AI, like honestly, I thought it would be farther along than where we're at now. Um, but does like her look and just like her overall atmosphere like creep you out at all <laughs> like so this is another thing i mentioned that paper i wrote but i got into like all this stuff all this research that's been done about robots and them looking like humans uh and it's here's a term for you it's called the uncanny valley mm. 
And it's basically, I'll give you the elementary thing as well. It's basically that when robots don't look like us, like we're okay with that. But as they start to get closer and closer to looking like humans, it freaks us out even more until there's a point when they look almost like a human, but you can, it's, and it's really that like Sophia robot, like she looks almost like a human, but it, it creeps you out beyond belief because you know, it's not a human, but like your brain is tricking you into thinking that it's a human. Um, but I feel like this goes past the uncanny valley to where she just looks like a normal person. Um, obviously with robotic parts, but it's like so, so close to being the real thing. And that's even what Nathan mentions is like, hey, I'm just going to tell you she's a robot. That's the true test is if you know she's a robot, but it won't matter to you by the end of it. So yeah, I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah, and I would argue it's called The Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Like this movie might kind of like subvert that theory because she becomes more and more human quote unquote as the story progresses and Caleb's interest in her both um like personally and intimately as weird as that is becomes stronger the more human she gets and so I wonder if that's because Caleb is kind of a lonely character, like his parents had passed away in a car crash and things like that. You mentioned how the Uncanny Valley, like there's that theory that as robots become more and more human-like in appearance, again, going back to appearance, um, we get kind of freaked out by that. I wonder if that's because we spend so much of our time interacting with humans Whereas Caleb is sort of this coder who is a hermit isolated with no real personal agendas, at least that we're told of. And I think that's purposeful because it does show just how much of a loner he is, thus reinforcing why he is able to be so attracted to Ava. I thought that that was something that I didn't pick up on as much the first three, four times that I watched this. I can't believe how much this was about like personal data and stuff like that's talked about so much today. And I was definitely not talked about as much in 2017 when it came out, but I that I was just blown away by that this time that this is about, it's about AI. It's about wealth. It's about like, yeah, data and your personal like privacy on the internet. It's just about so many things and it does them all so so well which i think is why i love this movie yeah so you talked about like the personal data and things like that that's kind of where we get into see and we can skip ahead we don't need to talk about every plot point um you mentioned like caleb is rather the test subject rather than ava um ava is curated based on caleb's searches um we know he works for this internet search engine engine blue book nine, which is created by Nathan, obviously. And so um, Caleb was handpicked to sort of be the subject. And Nathan already knew that he was going to sort of kind of grow a fondness to her just based on 
the privacy invasion that he had. That's very creepy. And I think that's only gotten worse as the past few years have come about. Yeah, this you could you could do this with um, like anybody today, I feel like just their Google search history. Uh, you know what they're looking for, what they want, what they dislike, what they're what they need. And it's uh, pretty dystopian out there. And even like Nathan admits that he had hacked all of the world's cell phones to track like what they're interested in, what they're watching, how the subjects and what they watch interact with and like how they move and like mannerisms and things like that. And so it's like this total invasion of privacy, in a sense. Um, I feel like if you have a smartphone today, though, like, you know, like you're giving up some of your privacy for the luxury of that smartphone. If you don't know that by now, read the terms and conditions on the apps that you you download. Um, Yeah, it's just so weird because it's touching on things that feel so dystopian and like otherworldly, but we're kind of seeing them in our world today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why this movie will last. I, I, I can't believe it's not more popular than it is. Like, I feel like it's one of the less popular A24 movies when it's literally about, yeah, things that we're going to be dealing with for the next, I don't know, forever, pretty much. I feel like. Yeah. And one thing that I questioned and wanted to talk about, Nathan's doing all this fully aware that if he continues to do this and do it well, like the AIs are going to surpass the humans and intelligence and things like that. Um, He says like to Caleb, he says like, I think, I'm one model away from making like the perfect AI. Like Ava is the second to best one. Like I'm going to make one more and it's going to be perfect. Um, He says that these, these AI are basically going to look at us humans, like the way we look at fossils today. And so my question then is if he's all aware of this and like aware of the potential dangers knowing that he himself can be harmed too, why is he even doing it? I think that plays into the whole billionaire character thing where he probably doesn't even think that he would be, he probably thinks everybody else would be less than them, less than these robots, but he would be like the controller and creator of them also. I I bet he doesn't even think that he could, could die. Yeah, and he feels like, He's obviously placing himself on a pedestal um, throughout the entire movie. He says when he's talking about this like evolution of Ava's, basically, he says, what I'm doing is Promethean, man. That's what he says, quote. Um, And are you familiar with the Prometheus Greek mythology story? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like this this character stealing fire for humankind and like sacrifices himself for the betterment of everybody else um like well, and might- it's interesting because um didn't prometheus create the humans didn't he help create humans as well correct yeah which is why he's so fond of them and why he yeah. is ultimately willing to sacrifice himself 
by getting fire from Zeus, which really made Zeus mad. And yeah, I don't know. In that sense, like Nathan feels like he is above human. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it goes back to that. that I think it's kind of funny when he's talking about the God quote and Caleb's like, that's not what I said. Like, I I did not call you a God. I just said we're breaking the rules of humans and like becoming gods. So yeah, he's, it's all just part of, yeah, that character, which I think is done really well. Yeah. His character is so like interesting and villainous, but like you said, like in terms of like action, he doesn't really do a whole lot other than sit behind his computer and drink vodka and like and dance, man. The oh, dance. Yeah. We got to talk about the talk dance. Talk about that scene. Talk about it. Okay, the first time I watched this movie, my jaw was on the floor. It just comes out of nowhere, the (laughs) red lighting, and just the fact that they have this choreographed dance, and especially with the tension that's built up at the point when it happens, because he's like, you ripped up her drawing, and he's like, I'm going to rip up this dance floor. The only thing I'm going to tear up is this dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) It's just... Uh, it's an awesome scene. I think every movie ever made should have a scene that just maybe doesn't fit in the movie. Like it just comes out of nowhere. It is it is beautiful, beautiful. One of the best dance scenes in a movie ever. Yes. Oh, it's so well shot too. Um, it's the red light. I wanted to talk about something else with red light here in a second. Um, but it's the red light, and then behind him is like the light fixtures on the wall and they go blue and like they, they go from like various colors of blue. The way he dances feels almost kind of robotic too. Like he doesn't know how to dance. He's dancing with Kyoko. Yeah. And we later learn that she's a robot. And like he, he kind of moves stiffly as well. Like he doesn't have like, the human component like the little quirks and things like that um but man i love that line um you tore up her picture the only thing i'm gonna tear up is this dance floor (laughs) i think you like you said he he dances like a robot and that's another thing that they touch on in this movie like a, a theme that they talk about is that we as humans are programmed to do things um so yeah like like learning a dance is programming your body how to like do a a task um so yeah that the divide between humans and robots in this movie gets um minuscule and maybe even none at all yes and we see that best in the scene where my jaw literally dropped when Caleb even questions his own humanity. Yeah. When he goes into the bathroom, when he realizes that Nathan has created all these various models of Ava's um, before Ava, there was like the Jane and something else, all these women, robot AIs, Caleb goes into his bedroom. He starts ripping his stomach skin and, peeling his face ultimately cutting his arm open to see if he is in fact robotic as well i thought that was incredible i loved that detail no dialogue no 
anything, but we know exactly what he's thinking just by what he's doing. And it, yeah, it is, it is perfect execution. I love that it ends with him just like smearing blood on the mirror. Yeah, It's a crazy scene because like if you were in that position, you would totally start thinking, okay, everybody I know is a robot and maybe I am too. I thought that was so cool. Such a great touch. The blood looked kind of fake, a little too yeah. thin for my liking, um, <laughs> but still great. The other scenes I wanted to talk about were the um, the power cuts. Yeah. Because those were beautifully shot as well. Um, these happen all throughout, so we're not like in any order at this point, but just like these are power cuts where Ava has the ability to shut down all the cameras and... It everything goes red. Her face like looks like almost villainous. Like even the sound, like I feel like I hear like inklings of like a turned on lightsaber. Yeah. It's like kind of thing. And like we hear like Ava speaking off script because she knows she's not being watched, which I may argue that that reinforces her quote unquote emphasis on quote-unquote humanity there because she is able to kind of go against her programming admit that Nathan tells lies um, tells Caleb to not listen to anything that he has to say um, and basically go against her Prometheus creator um can we talk about the twist can we get to the twist now yeah let's do it I think that's a good segue because that's where this movie becomes a, a great movie. When we figure out that, okay, she's she's been doing this, and we as the audience, like I was definitely tricked. We feel so bad for her that she's trapped and wants to get out. When we figure out that like Oscar Isaac knew that this was going on, um, but then we find out that Caleb also knew that he probably knew and the mm-hmm. whole twist happens to where like I, I already did all this stuff but when we find out that she she's been the director of all this pretty much the whole time she's the true genius not Nathan not Caleb who becomes just the lamest character um <laughs> after the twist uh when you find out like what she's been doing and why she's been doing it it is it is so it's just a great plot point and twist and everything starts to come together the last 15 20 minutes is amazing yeah especially like with the intimacy the the pseudo intimacy between caleb and ava um caleb questions if nathan had programmed her to be flirtatious towards him um caleb or nathan says that he didn't now we can believe him or not regardless ava is aware and conscious enough to note that if she continues to flirt with caleb she's going to be able to create an out for herself and ultimately escape this frankly imprisonment that she is in um it's so, so interesting. I did personally think, I thought Caleb was going to escape with her. I thought she was going to let him out. 
But once he stayed locked in and he was banging on the door, I was like, oh, like she really went there. Like if that's not a sign, like a cautionary tale kind of thing, like I don't know what is. Okay, and that's why I've I've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but I love endings when it's it's not happy and it's not like what we want necessarily. So the fact that she just completely ignores this guy that like he thought and I like I definitely thought the first time I watched this like, oh, she actually likes him. Like, of, of course, she'd like him. This is like the only human that's nice to her. And it's just like, nope, she has zero feelings for him at all. All she cares about is getting out. So when she doesn't, she gets into that elevator and doesn't even look his direction until the last second. It's, it is awesome. It is one of my favorite endings to a movie ever. And then we get like another ending as well, which I like. I like too. Yeah. Um, Before she gets in that elevator, she obviously is helped by Kyoko, but they kill Nathan. One of my favorite shots in the movie is when she's walking down the hallway and then you see like the masks and like the evolution of the Ava faces. Like they started off very like almost like like primal. Like, yeah, like primal. And then it gets into like looks like a, a face from like a Greek mythology textbook or something. And then it gets more and more human. And then Ava looks past them all and like she continues on. So like she has maybe even surpassed that humanity and is greater than everybody else. And ultimately she is at the end because she is the only one who gets a happy ending. We don't see that for Nathan, obviously, nor Caleb. Um, And then she escapes and she goes, jumps into the helicopter. We can assume the pilot is a robot too. Yes. Did you pick up on that? I interpreted it that way. Oh, I did not. I just figured the pilot never has any clue what's going on. He's just told to land there and pick up whoever he picks up. But that maybe he is a robot. Because he says to Caleb in the beginning, like, I've never talked to Nathan before. And like, so maybe he programmed him to just fly the helicopter. I don't, maybe that's too much. I don't know. But nonetheless... She gets in the helicopter and then she goes into the city and she just people watches because that's what she wanted to do. Um, how do you interpret that ending? I just I think it goes back to that question of how human is a person. I think she's 99% human at that point. Like no one's going, I, I don't think anyone for the rest of her life would question that she was a robot. Like we literally just saw a guy who knew she was a robot think that she was human because of the emotions that she faked and um, like feelings she faked. So yeah, I just love that shot. I love that we don't see her. We only see her in the reflection. Um, Maybe that's even another thing we're seeing her, like we have more glass, but she's outside the glass this time and we can't even see her. We see her shadow and um, yeah, her reflection in that glass. So yeah, it's just, it's really cool to think about that she got out and she's, she wants, yeah so immediately after watching this movie did you go into your bathroom and start ripping your skin apart uh no no but have i have i thought about it more than once uh yeah (laughs) 
Oh, I loved this movie, man. I feel like like if Ray Bradbury were alive still, yeah, like he would knock this out of the park and make it a like the best novel of all time. Um, because he has a lot of stories related to like abuse of technology and things like that. And like Fahrenheit 451 is way ahead of its time. It gets more relevant as the years go on. Um, this seems like you talked about incredibly dystopian, but like with the privacy data, like breachments and things like that, like it's, it's not incredibly far off. Obviously it's hyperbolized to some extent, but there's some truth in it. Um, you ready to give your score? I am. Um, I gave this a 95. Mm. My, my score just keeps going up every time I watch it. Um, so I moved it up again this time. I, I love this movie. It's, um, yeah, one of my probably top three, top five sci-fi movies. I think it's probably the best movie about robots ever. Uh, I love how simple it is. There's three characters. Uh, yeah, it's, it looks amazing. The lighting's fantastic. It's shot well. Great plot. I love it. 95. Great score. I gave it a 94. Nice. Um, I almost marked this as one of my favorites. Yeah. And I think if I watch it more, I will. Um, I was thinking about it all last night. I love this movie. The pacing is arguably perfect. It's not too long, not too short. Um, I don't like this is where I kind of lose some points. I don't like all the perversion with the character, like the robots and like the way Oscar Isaac creates them to basically be like slaves for him in multiple capacities. Not going to yeah. say much on that, um, yeah. but I like, I get why it's in there, but it, I don't know. I don't think I needed it per se. Again, I get why it's in there and what it brings to the story and things like that. Um, but yeah, this is a great, great movie. 94. Um, one of the best I watched this summer, um, as I mentioned. So yeah, going to have to definitely watch this again and I'll get more out of it again. I think Oscar Isaac's beard should be the one extra point that gets it to that 95. <laughs> it's it to that greatness mark. I just got a cramp in my leg. Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what is going on? That was a look of look of pain i didn't put any bananas in this smoothie that's why I'm. <laughs> I, know. I thought it was going to be worse than what it was we're good we're good i didn't stretch before the yard work um, <laughs> but you're right the beard is impeccable man i wish i could grow something like that i might have to give another point just for that beard yeah i really like his glasses too yeah it's just a good look all around the, the design of everything in here set design character design it's all it's it's top notch man yeah top tier top tier let's get into our concluding pieces here um you can you have you have choices here okay you, you can connect this film to your world of teaching or we reflected on our favorite movies this summer um Reflect on some goals that you might have for the upcoming school year as we are just days away. Mm. Or you can do both. Mm. 
Well, let's start with my connection. I'll, I'll try to think of some goals. I feel like my goals are always the same, which is to just, you know, have some fun, change some kids' lives. No big deal. Um, <laughs> easy task. Easy task. Yeah. Yeah. PCK. Uh, my connection was that I always want kids to know that, like, everything you read or listen to or watch, like, you can analyze it. And I, like, that's something that I love doing now. It's just how my brain works. Um, but I always try in my class to get kids to be like, okay, you're listening to Drake. We can analyze that. You're listening to Taylor Swift. We can analyze that. You're watching some dumb TV show. We can analyze that. There's always something underneath the surface that we can look for and like find meaning in. It's pretty easy in this movie because there's so much of it. But this movie just reminds me of that, that like, hey, there's a lot of stuff out there that we can like learn things from about ourselves, about the world around us. It's just cool that there's so much of that stuff. I just love media. Yes. Yes. Well, you're in the right profession then. Yeah. And it's just, I guess, just getting kids on that level too. Like, getting kids to want to like i want to listen to this song to like obviously enjoy it but yeah find the find something else going on in here i love it i love it um my goal for this year my goal is always just balance with everything mm-hmm. like you got game yeah back to that episode um yeah taking on the masters the work that i do um again empowering kids things like that and then this podcast now like and then obviously maintaining a healthy marriage and all that like there's a lot of important things going on in my life and there's going to need to be a balance um some weeks are going to be busier than others um we will continue to give this weekly podcast for you ttf nation members um we enjoy doing it we love analyzing these films like x-ray just said um this movie connects to the world of teaching in the sense of the phrase that all teachers across the nation and world have heard voice and choice Mm, yes yes um if you're an educator you've heard that multiple times voice and choice um you need to have strict guidelines and regulations in your class and have a foundation and a focus, obviously. But this movie reinforces the idea of voice and choice as an as an imperative in your life and in our lives in the classroom for these kids, because Ava literally had no choice, really. Like we talked about the entramp the being trapped in the whole entire movie. Um and she never had really any agency or free will till the very end. And by that point, she goes against her creator and it's very sinister. And obviously, our kids aren't going to do that and respond in the same way that Ava does. But um, if you want your kids to enjoy coming into your class, you got to give them some some ability to think on their own, make mistakes, have some voice and choice, of course, make it related to the content. Um, 
but allow them to be humans in the process because Ava definitely did not have that. Mm. You know, it is our job is very much about humans and I think a lot of people forget that sometimes. Yeah. I was going to say my other connection is to just the importance of human interaction. Like I did like what Nathan said, like can consciousness even exist without interaction? Like I, that made me really think like, especially relating back to the days of remote learning where we're just talking to blank initials on a Google meet for two hours. There's no interaction there. Like I didn't feel alive at all. I very much so felt like I was just trapped operator trapped rather than a human doing what I love. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's good. This is making me feel less like a robot. The fact that I'm a teacher. Yeah, exactly. Um, And the fact that we're talking to each other through a screen while you're in one place and I'm in another. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could go on and on and on about this film. This might, this episode might be up there with, some of my top. I really liked this conversation. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. And that just makes it, again, a, a great movie. We're definitely suckers for the, like, hey, this is about humanity. This is about real life social commentary. Yeah. You got to love it. You got to love it. Is our film next week about that? Or do you know? What are we watching next week? So I don't know. I, I'm, I've just heard great things about this movie. I really don't know too much about it, but okay. I've heard great things. So I want to watch it. And I think it's one we both haven't seen. Okay. So I mentioned uh, Robert Altman with Nashville uh, and I likes Nashville. So I think uh, I I'm interested in this next one. The next one is called the long goodbye, the long goodbye, the long goodbye. Um, I think it's like a noir. Uh, I think it's, I really don't know. And I kind of like that. And X-Ray, where can we find the long goodbye? And can we actually find it there? Well, as of now, as of recording this episode, (laughs) I mean, that's all I can guarantee is that as of now, you can find it on Prime Video. And do you know when this movie was made? This movie was made in 1973. All righty. The Long Goodbye. Yes. Robert Altman, The Long Goodbye. We'll see. I'm, I'm ready. I'm interested. I kind of want to watch it now, but I'm going to wait so that it's fresh in the mind. Right. Yeah. I feel like all of our concluding talk could be labeled as The Long Goodbye because we just ramble. <laughs> Let's end it now. Say peace out. <laughs> well, I wanted to tell you this. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Do you have anything else for the people of TTF Nation? No, I want a short goodbye. All righty. The short goodbye begins now. TTF Nation, enjoy the last couple days or weeks of summer, whatever applies to you. Do your homework. Watch the long goodbye. Have a beautiful day. Be the best you you can be. And peace out. Peace out. Peace out.